We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equippers Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. It really is an honour to be here tonight. And, you know, this isn't just like affirmation between us guys, but, you know, you guys have got incredible pastors. You really, really do. And it is an honour to be here with both of them tonight because we haven't sort of been here together. Um, so it's really, really, really cool. And I just heard like a minute ago that we were, we were so we met in Equippers London and we were actually only together, I just heard, for nine months but it's amazing what God can do in such a short space when you have purpose together, when you just get on the same boat and you just go for it and you're like, yeah, we're building something. God just builds relationship. And what you guys are doing here, it's phenomenal and it's inspiring to us in Tauranga. So thank you so much. And, you know, these guys have got great vision for the city and I love it. I was in Mosgiel this morning and it was just so cool seeing equippers taking ground and forcefully taking ground. Like we were in what's that, that theatre, whatever it was called. And it was just cool. You know, Willie took a photo and he's like, I'm going to post it in a year. I'm not posting it now, but in a year when this place is full. And I can't, I was in that photo. I can't wait to see that photo. It's going to be cool. I'll be like, I was there. You know, this is what we're building. And I say we are building because it's equippers nationwide, it's equippers internationally. Coming here is just like coming home. Wherever you go, that's what I love, what we're connected to. There's this great connectedness. And these guys have got vision and you are under in great hands with these guys. So thank you so much for having us here. And it's been awesome. Um, Desiree just took me under her wing when we were in London. Our relationship was formed in a car ride. We used to do 7, 6 a.m. pickups. They'd pick us up because we didn't have a car. And some days we'd just go till 10 o'clock at night because it would be set up, packed down, Carla takes sick days off work on Monday, and it was, uh, yes. <laughs> he ended up finally taking the day off properly. That ended four days a week. <laughs> um, but, you know, our relationship was built in the car, doing life together, discipling each other. So don't underestimate taking someone with you. Just wherever you're going, grab someone. That is discipleship, taking someone with you. And so... Me, if you were here last night or this morning, um, you've probably heard a lot about me already. So I'm a mum of two little girls and pastoring in Equipus Tauranga for seven years. Carl and I have been married, coming up 15 years, we met. Um, we have two interpretations of how we met. I don't know what he shared this morning. I really don't, actually. Um, he says, I like to say I pursued him. He likes to say I stalked him. Um, so... <laughs> So take it as you want. I don't know, but there is a photo. So he was a basket. He was playing for the NBL, and my dad was very heavily involved in North Harbour basketball. Can't believe I'm about to confess this. And there's a photo that he found years later of me in his basketball shirt. Like we weren't even dating. We didn't. Even... <laughs> it was, oh, shame! How embarrassing. But yeah. And so, um, yeah, you were lucky you had... Get, usually, we should do this the other way around. Carl should come in second. I should come in first because I am a verbal processor. I say things I shouldn't. And then Carl nicely comes in and cleans everything up and covers everything all. And so, Willie will do that next week for you. He will just address some of the stuff I've said. So, yeah, so our story... Um, 
So yeah, we've been married for seven years and I'm just going to share a little bit of my story. Some of you probably heard it once or twice maybe, but I'm just going to bring a different different angle into it. Um, yeah, so we married for seven years and... Oh yeah, 15 years. Oh, the seven is because we dated for seven years beforehand, okay? It took him that long to work out that, okay, this is worth it, come on. Uh, um, so, <laughs> I don't recommend it. Um, so, 15 years, and we had been trying for kids for 10 years. And so we, um, we went through doctors and all this kind of stuff, and it was basically explained as unexplained infertility. And so, you know, there was hospitals and doctors and specialists and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, through that time, there were some really tough times. You know, there was tears and there was heartache. And, but I had to just get the strength from God through these years and know that God just wanted all of me, no matter what the outcome of this situation, this circumstance was, that he wanted my whole heart. And I had to live my life to the fullest wherever I was at. And yeah, like I said, you know, there were tough times, but I knew God was going to use my story however that looked. And so we fast, so then we fast forward, um, you know, we've had these years and then we fast forward to, we um, were in London for six years. We came back here, we'd been here a a little while, and then we had a couple approach us. So we had put our name down on the adoption list in New Zealand. And this couple um, approached us and they said, look, she's pregnant um, and we'd love you guys to have Michaela adopt her. They actually approached us 10 minutes before a Thursday night service when I was preaching. And they told Carl, and fortunately Carl didn't tell me because I would have been a write-off for that service having to try and speak. He did tell me, however, in the 10-minute gap we had after the service and in between a basketball game, and then I was left to not be able to sit and talk about anything for about three hours. I was like, oh my gosh, what are, our life has just been like flipped completely upside down. So anyway, so we went through this um, whole adoption with the birth parents. We're still in connection with Michaela. If you've seen her around, she was the one doing bridges down the front <laughs> doing gymnastics. Um, but two incredible little girls. We were there for, you know, the pregnancy. We were there when they found out she was having a little girl. So it's been an incredible story. At the same time, it you know, I can say it like this, like, oh, it was so wonderful. Yes, it was. there were still hard times in that. Um, and we picked her up on Christmas Day. She was our little Christmas baby. She was two days old. Um, and those two days that we were waiting were some of the hardest times that I, you know, it, it was tough because there was this little girl that was born and we're in this place of going, oh, my gosh, is it actually even going to happen? Because in, a, in adoption, you can have 12 days before the birth parents change their mind. Um, and it takes an incredible woman, Michaela's birth mother, to be able to, this gets me every time, to be able to hand her child over to you on Christmas Day. And Michaela actually means gift from God. And I'll never forget it on Christmas Day. Nobody knew this was happening. We didn't tell any of our family. And, you know, standing in the car park of the hospital, of the birthing centre, and she's handing you her child. It was, we prayed together with her, we, you know, both the birth mother and father were there, and it was incredibly powerful. And I know 
you know, I know God's got, got his hand on her. Um, and so anyway, then we drove up to Auckland and we surprised everyone up in Auckland with this baby. I walked in with the pavlova because my mum was kind of hopeful that we'd be bringing a baby. And so she kind of looked out the window, saw the pav and was like, put the window back down and, and then <laughs> put the curtain back down. And then Carl walks in with like, Michaela was only like a six pound baby. She was tiny. And then um, just covered in presents and stuff and walks in and, you know, and there's tears and the Christmas dinner's burned and all of this kind of stuff. It was pretty awesome. It was very, very cool. So that's kind of a brush over of, you know, how life happened with Michaela. And then we had, um, when we, when we had, got Michaela, she was about a month old, maybe two months old, and we had our name down on the IVF register. And they rung up and they're like, hey, really exciting news, um, we can bring your treatment forward a year. And so in my head, I'm just going, oh my gosh, that, if this works, we could have two children at almost like 10 months old. So I'm freaking, I'm just going, whoa, but we're like, okay, let's press ahead, let's just, you know, if God's, if God wants us to have, have one, yep, it'll be there. If not, we're still okay, actually. We've still, you know, God's still using us. We've still got a story. We've got this little miracle girl anyway. And so anyway, out of that came Carmen. And she is our little IVF fighter because she was our last chance. We had five attempts and she was our last chance. And so she is, yeah, she has come into the world like, yes, I am here. I was their last chance and you will all know about it. And so, you know, there were tears through this time. There was, it was hard going. Um, and there were people that were praying for me through this time, through the 10 years of, you know, wanting, you know, to get pregnant, through the IVF, all of this kind of stuff. There were people praying for me. There were prophetic words over me. There was people standing with me in faith. And I just had to get a, you know, I just had to get in with, into my spirit that weeping must quicken us to praying. Weeping cannot deaden praying. It's got to put us, it's got to get us deeper. That weeping couldn't pull me away. It had to push me further into prayer, into hearing from Him, into building a relationship with God. He just wanted my heart. That's what it came down to. And you know, when we don't have the words in English, God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, you know, and I'm a bit of a Holy Spirit kind of girl, and I, um, you know, that, that's what got me through when I didn't have the words. That weeping would, weeping would quicken me to praying in tongues as well, just to intercede with God. And, you know, he knew my heart. And through it all, I had to know that, that something was going so much deeper to get through. And there was a foundation so strong that nothing could shake my faith just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, there isn't, there's no faith story without a battle. Everything comes with a battle. And it's when we walk through those stories, those storms, that then we have a story to tell. And, you know, so I'm not a particularly touchy-feely kind of person. <laughs> you know, some people are like real huggers. And I will hug, definitely. I will be receptive to one. And I'm not just going to be like, push you away or anything nasty like that. But I'm not a hugger. And so... Part of it in my head, the thought of getting pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, if I ever get pregnant, no one will ever touch my belly. If you're, I don't know if you've ever been pregnant. And I was like, that's the grossest, that's just weird. Why don't people come up and rub their tummies and stuff like that? It's just weird. I'd be like, oh, get away. And so I'm, yeah, I'm not kind of into yeah, a whole lot of like all that kind of stuff. Poor Carl, we've, we live in a fishbowl. So our house should really be in the country because it's glass on 
three, pretty much, it's glass all around. So everyone can see in and through into our lounge kitchen dining area. And Carl will like try to give me a hug and I'm like, no, no, people might see. <laughs> I'm just like, I've got to get over it. I really do, poor Carl. And so anyway, when, you know, when I used to share my story through this 10 years, you know, I, it was part of my story. So I, would sh- I was quite open with people where I was at, what we were facing, what we were going through. I never had a problem with it because I knew God would use my story however that looked, no matter what it was. And, um, but every now and again, something a little bit ugly would rise in me when I would share my story. And a lot of it was attitudes. Um, because people would come up with some interesting advice to me about how to get pregnant and, um, yeah, just be like, take a holiday. We lived in Europe. We were taking holidays all the time. It was fabulous. We had a great time holidaying. You know, just relax, all of this kind of stuff. And um, actually, can I just say, and I'm going to say this for anyone that's having that's struggling or you that might have a prophetic gift or you're a praying person, be really sensitive when you're praying for people around infertility, Um, and I'm going to go into a little bit why in a minute, but um, just be sensitive around that because not everyone wants you rubbing their belly. I used to get really angry, (laughs) I'm going to say this here because we're kind of that crowd, I think you can deal with it, maybe you can't, but I used to get really angry. I used to think, why don't, okay, we all know how it all works, right? I'd be like, why don't people just grab Carl and pray for him? Everyone's like on my tummy going, oh, Lord, we pray for him. I'm like, grab him, man, come on. <laughs> it's not all about me, you know. <laughs> but, um, but, um, so, so, where am I? Um, Okay, so I was in a good space in one sense. You know, we were praying, we were hopeful. And I just... Um, I knew that we would have faith. We had, well, I knew we had, we had faith and we had hope. And faith is that confidence or trust in a person, thing, or belief that we can't see. Yeah. Hope, it's an optimistic attitude of mind based on an expectation or desire. Faith says it now, hope says it could happen in the future. And we held on to that. Whether it would happen or not, we still had, we still had to trust God. God is good. We had to hold on to that. Even if we didn't like our circumstance, God was still good. And if we don't get Scripture in us and something deep goes into us, we're going we're gonna to float around a little bit. We're going to get pushed. We're going to get knocked. We've got to get something, a foundation that goes so deep. And so this, every, you know, every time I you know, would share the story, I would often have people that would want to come up and pray with me afterwards and you know everyone you know yeah everyone would be yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna be the one to make the prayer happen and um and so there was this one particular time and I was sharing my story and a lady came up and wanted to pray for me and I'm always like because I'll take prayer I'm like if people want to pray for me yep I'll pray sometimes I was like oh here we go again but you're just crazy but this particular lady, and if you're here tonight, um, I just want to say thank you for being faithful. But when you are in these situations, you've got to know you have heard from God. Okay, so this lady has come up to pray for me. So instantly I get a little bit of attitude. I'm like, here we go. She's like, I want to pray. And I'm like, great, okay. So what she said resounded. Um, and when she prayed, we were actually going for our last, what's called a replacement, without going into the silence, the replacement of the embryo. Um, two days later, 
And so what she said resounded. It was like, okay, interesting. You, you know something I don't. And then her hand went onto my stomach. So I'm, and it was summer. And so I was in a dress and my blood pressure started rising. And she's like, I can, you know, I think God's doing something. You're getting warmer. I'm like getting, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting angry. That's what's happening. This isn't anything to do with God. And my, I could just feel myself getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And then this is when she, you have to know you've heard from God. She's like, I think I need to blow on your stomach. And I'm like, okay. I'm just standing there, not receiving a word of what she was saying. Nothing. Because I was just, I was like Frankenstein age. I'm just like steam coming out of my head. And she's on her hands and knees going. And I am dying. I'm absolutely just like, oh my gosh. And then she finishes up and it's amen and, and we hug. And, off she, and, I, and I'm like, it was at the end of the service and I was with a couple of ladies and I was like, we need to go. They're like, you're okay. And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. And, you know, this is when we do life together. You've got to have good people around you that can speak truth, that can pull you into line when you need it but, and will love and listen to you at the same time. And so we got in the car and a few bad words came out of my mouth because I was angry. I was really, really mad. And I didn't even know how to get out of the city, but I didn't care. I was just driving. And they're like, um, you need to go this way. And I'm like, we're going this way. And, and they, they started realising how mad I was. They're trying to talk to me. And I'm just mad, really, really mad. And so after a bit of time and them letting me have my moment, they managed to talk me through it and pull me back into line a little bit. Um, you know, we then actually had a laugh about it and one of them said to me, I bet you this will be the time you get pregnant, ha, 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 and God will just be laughing and he'll be like, ah, ha, ha, and that was all about you, wasn't it? And wasn't you weren't letting me do my thing? And, and sure enough, I got pregnant on that one. <laughs> so if you're that woman, you were faithful and you listened. But, you know, through it all, you know, it made me realise that did I have a complete dependency on God? Although I had faith and hope, it made me go, oh, was there a little bit of pride in there? Was there a little bit of something that was keeping the walls up a little bit and not receiving all God had for me? It was really, it was just like this moment. It was like, oh, ouch. And, um, you know, when I think of pride, I think along the lines of, you know, it's a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from your own achievements or someone else's achievements close to you, qualities or possessions that are widely admired. It's like a look, hey, I've made it. It's this pride thing, this puffed up thing. And um, another description is a consciousness of one's own dignity. And I was like, oh, all that time. Was there a consciousness of my own dignity that I wasn't allowing, I wasn't fully receiving what God had had for me? And the thing about pride is it's all about I. It sits right smack in the middle, P-R-I-D-E, right in the middle. It's all about I. Because if you spell it in English, it probably doesn't work in other languages. But it's all about me. And this was a real check for me. And, and it can be so sneaky, pride. It can be really subtle, it can get in there. And so there was, as we were going through the IVF, I got a call one night, an hour before, through one of our replacements, um, as I was about to get up and preach to say, sorry, it's failed. Um, it hasn't worked. And I was a mess. I remember being 
on the front, just in tears, just going, God, I can't, I can't do this. It's too hard for me, God. And it was just, this is where we need word. We need scripture. And God just prompted me with that scripture. You know, Kirsty, in your weakness, I am strong. I will give you strength. I will give you power. And it's not about us. We've got to start looking beyond what we think we can't do and start looking at what God can do through Christ who gives us strength. You know, we've all got our Goliath that we face. We've all got something different. I said to a lady one year we were doing, giving out Christmas, you know, firewood. We were helping just some different people in the community. And I said to a lady, I said, oh, you know, I just love how God just, you know, blesses people in all areas, you know, small things like firewood or the bigger things. And she goes, what do you mean small things like firewood? She goes, this is massive for me. It was like, we all face our Goliaths. She had health issues. So fire, keeping her house warm was actually a major for her. We all face things that are different and we can't compare or think our battle's bigger than theirs because it's this, but we all face our battles. And I think it's pride that goes, hmm, actually my battle's bigger than yours. I need more prayer than you. There's got to be a dependency, you know. If we're going to have our own faith stories, you know, we've got to be, the outcome of it is dependent on how we hold up in the battle. I think there's a faith story that's coming from pressing out into Mosgiel. You know, that is a faith story that we get to share together, what we come up against, pushing into buildings, all that kind of stuff. There's a faith story in that. You know, and you guys are in, um, in this together. And so in this year, as for Carl and I as a church, it's been a hard year. It's been a really tough year for us. It's been one of the hardest years in this, we're coming up nearly seven years in Tauranga, that we've probably done. We started off the year and it was a tough, and you might even know these people. Our worship leader and his wife lost their six-year-old son in the space of two weeks. And it was devastating, absolutely devastating. And we had to... Um, we had to dig deep as a church. We've had marriages. We've had all sorts of stuff. And there's been times where Carl and I have just gone, this is too hard. This is too much for us. But God has come through every single time. And I was saying this morning to Mosgiel, you know, these guys, Des and Willie, they carry church and prayer. They love you guys. They carry something. They've got faith to say, take things forward. And they stand with you guys when you're facing stuff. You know, and we do it together. And, you know, so we cried together as a church. We, um, you know, I was preaching that Sunday. And, and again, I stood there and God, I can't do this either. Like, I don't want to do this. This is tough, God. And he's like, come on, in your weakness. And there's something when we can admit that there's a weakness that we let God move. But we've got to admit it. The problem with pride is we're so prideful we don't admit it. You know, that keeps getting in the way. We think we're okay. And so we faced this as a church. And then a couple of months ago, we faced 
another little girl in hospital. I got called up by the mother. She was a little girl that had come from neglect. The skull was seriously flat um, because she'd been neglected and left to lie as a baby for so long. And it had the skull had compressed into the brain stem and she had to go in for major brain stem surgery, skull surgery. And the mum rang me up and said, hey, Kirsty, um, well, actually, she couldn't get it out. All I heard was 24 hours to live and they're going to operate again. And I was like, I'm coming up. So I just jumped in the in the car and headed on up. I got in there and it's the same ward with some of the same nurses as the little boy Elias had passed away in. I walked in, I wanted to vomit. I literally did. But it was like, God, come on. But I am still going to have faith and hope for healing this little girl. And she's now in rehab and she's known by doctors in the medical team as the little miracle girl which is incredible. It's just so cool. There are people praying everywhere. And, you know, yeah. And, you know, why did, why did we not see the healing with Elias? I don't know. I don't know. But we just have to keep having faith. We have to keep having hope that God is going to come through and our decision to keep praising Him and how we work through it is going to determine that outcome of what's going on in us to stand strong, to stand firm. And we face battles. And I want to read a psalm to you, Psalm 61. And it's, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. I prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. And so in our human thinking, we may never get the answers that we want. And, you know, there might be times when you feel like your faith is wavering. There might be times when, you know, does God really have a good plan for me? We're human, we do ask these questions. Does God have a good plan for me? Will I really get through this? Will I really see my breakthrough, my healing, my family restored? This person come to Christ? Well, what's going, what, you know, we ask it. And this is when coming together as church family helps so much. It gives us a strength because when your arms are weak, someone else is gonna help lift them up. They're gonna stand in the gap for you. They're gonna stand with you. You know, and taking our eyes off ourselves so that we can lift someone else's arms up. You know, every one of us here is part of the puzzle. We're all part of it, that bigger picture. We're connected in some way. You know, but you might not see the puzzle piece, the puzzle as you're starting to build it because you might be an edge piece and maybe you've started in the middle, but you're still connected we're still all in it together. And so when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. We all hurt together. And that's what being family is about. You know, and maybe you're feeling a little bit disconnected. We had a lady in church who maybe about three weeks ago had, or maybe a month ago, she had said, I'm leaving. Well, she hadn't actually told us. She told another lady in church, I'm leaving church. 
I'm done. I don't feel very connected here. My friends have all gone to this other church, so I'm going to go with them. And this lady, so the, uh, probably both in their 50s, she just stood and said to her, well, what are you going to do about it? She said, are you going to be part of the problem or are you going to go too? And it was a challenge. And this lady went, oh, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be part of the problem. She, and she was like, well, do something about it then. So all she did was she gathered the plus 50s and they met for breakfast and there was about four of them the first time and then the following month they had about 12 or 15 of them and there's just this buzz. You know, and you guys are a growing church, which is exciting. You know, so just gather people together. Just get people together and say, let's do breakfast. Get people in this together, doing the adventure together. And so we, we actually laugh about this lady now. We're like, well, isn't she a little mispopular now? Look at her, with, you know, she's doing her thing, but it's awesome. You know, she's just, something has come alive. We've drawn something out of her because it was all about I before. It was all about me. There's nothing, everyone else is here. There's all, you know. So this passage that um, Dave has written, it's not entirely, it's not really certain when he actually wrote this. He could have possibly, he's possibly on the run from Absalom or when he's had a narrow escape from one of um, Saul's efforts to kill him when he's hiding in the desert. Um, it's not even completely sure whether he's taken the throne at this time. It's not clear. And, you know, so he, but he's in a place where he's feeling isolated where he's feeling alone. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt isolated before, but we can learn from David in this passage. You know, what he says when times are tough. And it starts, that passage is, hear my cry, oh God, hear me. Whenever I, wherever I am, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, I cry to you. There were times when I felt overwhelmed going through what we were going through. You know, and, and I go, man, this doesn't even compare to what our, you know, this couple in church went through losing their son. You know, and that overwhelm is bury or drown beneath a huge mass of something. Another, it's complete defeat. And the, the word is translated as faints in many passages. And it doesn't go into what's causing this particular pain with David, which I think is actually a good thing because then we're not limiting what our pain, what we're facing is based on that situation. I think that's quite cool, but not, if you know what I mean. You know, that it's not I was faced with this. He's just saying he's in a place of drowning. He's in a place where it's tough. And so wherever we're at or whatever we might face, you know, this is for us. Hear my cry, oh God, attend. When you feel like you're being defeated, when there's nothing else, David knew who to turn to. He knew where to go. And I love it. Love David. And from the ends of the earth. And David didn't travel much outside the promised land. And figuratively speaking, he was at the end of human understanding, strength and resources. But there's this real powerful sense in his prayer that it's offered from the ends of the earth. I've got nothing left, but I will cry to you. You know, and he didn't say from the ends of the earth, I'm going to give up faith, I'm going to give up hope. He didn't say that. He said from the ends of the earth, I will cry to you. And so wherever we're at, we've got to have, we have to have liberty to draw to God. And through that, we can find an open throne of grace. And I don't know how people do it without God. I don't know where you're all at tonight. 
I don't know how you, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I don't know how you do it without him. And if you, you know, people say, oh, he's just a crutch. Yeah, yeah, he is. Completely and utterly, I lean on him with everything I've got. (laughs) He is my crutch. And there's gonna be things that will try to separate us from the comforts of this. There, There are things that will happen that are gonna try and separate us. Death, sorrow, pain, sickness, debt, relationship breakdown, trust. All those things have to keep driving us to God. Praying must quicken, weeping must quicken us to prayer. You know, he's the fountain of comfort, of hope, of faith, of love. And it's, it's an easy thing to do when we're feeling pressure is to shut down, is to withdraw, is to pull back. You know, you guys are going into a new season with Mosgiel. It's easy to pull back in this season. But we've been there and done it. This is the time where you form something so incredible together because you're taking ground and you're not gonna let the enemy stop you. And so as you guys push into Mosgiel, pull together, tighter. I love when you watch like army fighting, um, you know, war type movies and they huddle and the shields all go up and surround and no one can break through. That's what I see. You guys are this impenetrable force as you push into Mosgiel, that there's just the surrounding of you all coming together with your shields up and just pushing and just pushing and just pushing. You know, but it's all in. You've got to be all in because if you're halfway out, you're going to get an arrow in the leg. You know, stay in and push forward. In Hebrews 10, it says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There is something powerful when we come together. Don't forsake the assembling together. We, um, you know, there's something powerful that happens in unity and close association. And you learn stuff about each other, don't you, when you're in close association. It's not so nice sometimes. We have a church camp on a marae. I sleep in a tent. <laughs> you learn stuff in marais, don't you? <laughs> so we're taking the tent. Carl can sleep in there. I don't care, but I'm in the tent with the girls. You know, but there's something together. Some of it you don't like, but you're still doing it together. You know, the other week going to church, I was overwhelmed, you know, and I'm a pastor. I'm not meant to get overwhelmed. It's not, I'm not meant to want to go back home again. I got to the traffic lights just outside. Um, we rent a space in Boys College and I was in tears. Was, no, no, probably that time of the month. That's probably all it was. Sorry, men. <laughs> but I was in tears. I was overwhelmed. I was just like, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm probably late night with the kids. I don't know. And I was like, no you know, we're doing this, got in there, again, got together with some people, had a cry, they prayed for me, we had a great morning. You know, I didn't run away from it. We face these things together. You know, we've got to allow ourselves to be vulnerable with people. We've got to allow ourselves to be vulnerable with those we trust. It doesn't mean everyone. You've got to have those that you can trust, that, but that are going to speak life and truth that aren't going to get on that, that roller coaster down with you. They've got to be those that are going to lift you up. And, you know, dropping pride, it says I can do it on my own. If I'd walked into that space and just gone, you know, I got this, I got this, I w- it would have been fake. <laughs> you know, I needed to know that Christ was my strength and I was in this with others. 
Um, and we've got to personally, we've got to have a, when we personally have a challenge, we've got to make that decision to stick it out. Now, who loves a good roast? Oh, yeah. Yep. Desiree made a great roast for us the other night. It was really, really yummy. I am really fussy with my roast. So the fact that it was a great roast, I'm like fussy, okay? She passed the test. One of the biggest things for me is crispy potatoes. Okay, you've got to have crispy potatoes. And duck fat is the best one to actually do them in. Okay, it's a little bit more expensive. So, you know, pull it out for the special occasion. But it's got to have crunchy potatoes. And so we were having, this was when we were in the UK, actually. I don't know if you guys came to that dinner, I don't know. And we were having people coming for dinner. The lamb was beautiful. Everything was delicious. And we're getting to the time when people are going to arrive. The potatoes should just be at the right time where I've got another 10 minutes till they arrive. And then we serve these beautiful, crunchy potatoes. And they, it wasn't happening. And honestly, I lost the plot, right? I just lost it. I just, we've got this beautiful lamb. And you know, New Zealand lamb is cheaper in the UK. Um, it's not right. But anyway, so we've got this lamb. And I just said to Carl, that's it. We're chucking it out. We're getting pizza. I just was like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, the potatoes are not crispy. We are chucking it out. We're getting pizza. This is how irrational I got over my potatoes. Um, but you know what? We have to stick to the roast. And Jesus has never been described as a roast before. But we have to stick to the roast. Don't chuck them out. Don't just go, let's get pizza. Stick to the roast. He is your foundation on everything. You know, God's power and His promises are higher than we are. You know, stick to that. Hold tight to that. You know, He is our rock. Christ is our rock. He is our roast. Okay, you won't give it away. Don't give the roast away. David had a desire to live in the shelter of the rock to rest his soul. David wanted to rest his soul on the rock, but he couldn't climb out of where he was without God's help. You know, God had to pull him out to put him back on that rock of salvation. You know, and we need God. We need Him. It's as simple as that. We need Him to help us with whatever our face, whatever we're facing. And assuming David was king at the time, so he says, the rock that is higher than I. So it's assuming, again, it's not certain. So assuming he is king at the time, he's saying, I've kind of made it, I'm king. But the rock that is higher than I. He knew it. He knew he couldn't do it on his own. You know, and there was a prayer that God would, was higher than him in this situation. You know, I don't know if you've seen, you know, videos and photos of these adrenaline junkies that camp on rock faces and stuff. And they're like, you know, they're suspended at sleeping just over nothing. Or they're on like slopes and things. It's just crazy. But they've, they've got the summit in sight. Okay, they, they're climbing. They're going to keep going. They'll camp the night. Some are going to get there quicker than others. Some it's going to take a little bit longer than others. But you know what? They're going to keep, they'll keep going. You know, some of them might have little slips on the way, but they keep going. They secure themselves. I don't know if you've got any climbers here or what, but they secure themselves to the rock every time so that if they drop, they're connected to the rock. They're suspended. They're still there. They might have had a little drop, but they're still in the rock. We've got to stay clipped in. Don't unclip and start climbing back down. Stay clipped in. Keep climbing a little bit by a little bit 
by a little bit. You know, and our safety can't be in ourselves. It's gotta be purely fixed on Christ. You know, let our prayer be a prayer that springs from faith. Let that be our launching pad, trusting in Him. When all help from man should fail, God is with us. We knew if IVF didn't work with all help from man, God is with us. You know, and even though, I'm just gonna discredit some of your thinking right now. Even if you think, oh yeah, it wasn't really a miracle because God intervened, you know, man was doing his thing. When you go through IVF and you see life on a screen, just this tiny little nothing, basically, beat it, beating, life is a miracle. You know, and the enemy might be coming in feeling like he's drowning everything else out where there's no escape, but God is gonna stretch out his hand and pull you from where you are to lift you up, to raise you up, that deep sense of knowing. Now, who's got friends here they can trust, hopefully? If you don't, get into an e-group. Yeah. If you don't, get into an e-group. It's that simple, build relationship. It might not happen straight away, try another one, but actually make a commitment to stay in it and work through it. Because as you journey together, as you do life together, that's when trust comes. That's when trust is built. But, you know, your friends might cancel on you last minute, but you still trust them. They might let you down every now and again, but you still trust them. You know, but in remembering their kindness in the past gives you the confidence to confide in them again in the future. So how much more should we trust God? If that's our friends... How much more should we trust God? God has been a, sh a shelter, a strong tower in the past for David, and he knew he would be there again for him. He knew it. Even though he was in a dark place again, he knew it. And looking back on our lives, you know, I can see the hand of God in so many things. You know, remembering those times when he was gracious, you know, when we heard him, when there's been answers to prayers, and for the answers to prayers that those will give that it'll give us a guidance for the future no matter what. And we've got to remember, keep remembering the things God's done for you. I know Desiree's a massive journaler. It's because you can go back and go, wow, look what God was doing. Look what God was saying through this time. It's letting our prayers be prayers that rise to the height of assurance. You know, the word assurance is a positive declaration that intends to give promise, that intends to give confidence. It's a promise, a promise we've been given. And when we're sincere in our prayers, there's this feeling that we pledge ourselves to God that He can have everything. You know, that He hears us in the valley and He hears us on the mountaintop. You know, and there's a rich heritage for us. There's a rich heritage that for those that are with Christ, that goes beyond now. You know, it's one that possesses the kingdom of God forever. And if I can just have the musos up, that would be awesome. Um, it possesses the kingdom forever. You know, as you guys take ground in Dunedin, in Mosgiel, it's possessing the kingdom forever. It's taking ground, it's inheritance you know, this is establishing something that will go for generations. You know, and the promise that David knew that he shall abide before God forever. We have a promise of this heritage of a life that enables us to walk with Christ. 
not to just enjoy life. Yes, there is that. But the tools to get through everything we face. All the tools. And, you know, finally, as we walk through the paths of life, we're going to get a... We're going to get to that place of prayer that culminates in joyful declaration. A joyful declaration that comes together, that we can declare. You know, David ends with prayer. He ends with praise in this passage. There is power in our praise. We don't praise because it's just fun. There is power in our praise. Through the tough times, I had to keep praising God. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart. Do that. I had to pray. I had to, Carl would make me, he would actually physically grab my hands and make me go, and I'd be so like, until I realized there's joy, you know, that there is joy. And David ends with praise. He starts off desperately crying to God with a heart that was fainting, with a heart that was overwhelmed. But he ends up honouring with honouring the character of God as expressed in His name forever. The character of God. Spurgeon, if you've heard of Spurgeon, he puts it like this. God daily performs His promises. Let us daily perform our vows. He keeps His covenant. Let us not forget ours. I love that. Let us not forget ours. The final line in that passage, so I, in that verse, so I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Daily. Whatever you're facing. When your heart is overwhelmed, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Put you aside and go to the rock. Go to that roast. Go back. God, I'm grounded. I'm not going to be unshakable in this. I'm not going to let these things come at me. I'm not going to let things come at my church. You know, I've had all things, we've had all sorts of things chucked at us. You're a good friend, but a useless pastor, Kirsty. You're a useless pastor, but a good friend. I've had both. I've had, we've had our names put on Facebook. Well, actually, they didn't name us specifically, but we got raved about on Facebook about how not nice we were. <laughs> it was a little bit nastier than that. But, um, you know, but daily, we just went, you know what we're doing? And we had people around us that had the shields up for us in that time. You know, guard each other. Draw the best out of each other. Go on this mission to Mosgiel together. A city of what, 10, a suburb of 10,000 or something? Take it. Forcefully advance the kingdom of God. Let's not hold back. But it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do in this city. And that's what's exciting. How about we all just stand? There's an old song that says, this is my story, this is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. It actually says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born in His Spirit, washed in His blood. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Saviour am happy and blessed. 
this is my story. Death could not hold you. You are victorious. Praise to the risen King. Oh, what a Saviour, wonderful Jesus. It's an incredible song. This is my story. This is my song. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I want you to just close your eyes. I just want you to think of your story right now and how God's using you. How He can use you in your story, where you are right now. Thank Him for it. God, who can I reach? I have a friend that's been on life support six times this year. She goes into hospital with the most incredible attitude every time. She talks to doctors and nurses. She talks to the, once she finally gets out of life support and is in the wards, she talks to other patients. She uses her story. She uses it. This is my story. How about we start lifting our voices? If you've got a heavenly tongue, can you just start praying in tongues to God? We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.